Today, we're going to talk about building a world for your game. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Um, welcome to the seventh episode. I'm your host, Zachavelli. Um, today's topic is world building for video games, which I think is a really cool topic. Um, and we're going to get into, it's almost like a writing episode, but uh, I'll get into more about that later. The first thing we got to do is talk about the Game Idea Jam. So if you haven't listened before, um, the Game Idea Jam is where I give a prompt um, and then we kind of talk about the game ideas uh, based on the prompt. So last week's was design a multiplayer levolution. And if you don't know what a levolution is, um, it comes from the game Battlefield 4, or at least I think they were the first people to coin the phrase. But a levolution in that game is where the multiplayer map kind of evolves throughout the match and so the map you start on, although the place is the same, it's not really the same map um, as the match goes on. An example of this is there's a map where there's a bunch of islands, um, and you're kind of like, you know, fighting and capturing points on all the islands. And then a huge, like, hurricane storm blows in, and it totally changes the map. Uh, the visibility goes down, a big ship crashes into one of the islands and totally changes one of the points. So yeah, I thought this was a really cool idea. Uh, it's one of my favorite mechanics from any multiplayer shooter. And last week's prompt was to design a new one. And my favorite submission sent to me on Twitter, you can send submissions to me on Twitter, at Zacavelli. Uh, that's underscores on the each side of Zacavelli. But anyways, my favorite submission from this last week comes from froglegs34. And I'm, I should probably have like some kind of reward or something... Uh, because Froglegs has submitted a lot. Of our, like, seven episodes now, I think he's been three or four, maybe, of the uh, Idea Jam winners. So I got to get him, like, a trophy or something. Maybe a gift card. That might be a good idea. But anyways, his idea was a levolution where the map starts off in a zoo, and in the middle of the match, the zoo animals escape and I thought this was really cool from like a multiplayer standpoint because it's almost like a it starts off as a pvp match but then it becomes a pvpve which is a really complicated acronym but um basically it's not only are the teams playing against each other but the teams are playing against the environment because of course if you're going to have zoo animals escape you're going to have like the dangerous ones like lions get out and not to mention you know you could have distractions like herds of zebras flocks of ostriches i don't know if ostriches move in flocks but you know what i mean herd animals running around kind of blocking lines of sight uh being meat shields lions and tigers you know attacking you at points i just think it's a really cool idea and it kind of um if you listen to last week's episode we talked about how one of battlefield 4's strengths is its cinematicness and 
Yeah, that feels like something out of that basically feels like Jurassic Park. In fact, that might be a even cooler idea as a multiplayer shooter mixed with Jurassic Park. And that's actually a good uh segue for next week's jam. So for next week's jam, we're gonna um adapt a movie to a video game. And you'll see why this becomes important later, but it can be any movie even ones that you might think might not make a very good video game. And you might think at first it's easy to go for the low-hanging fruit, like make a action game based on an action movie. But I think you'll find that the really interesting choices are movies that you wouldn't expect to be video games, and then even the ones you would expect uh, kind of twisting the genre into something new. So yeah, you can uh, send me your movie video game ideas on Twitter, uh, just send me a DM or just tweet me. That's at underscore Zaccavelli underscore. And big thanks again to Froglegs34 for sending me yet another game idea submission. He's the all-time champion with the wins, so I'm challenging everyone right now to try and beat him. So with that, let's uh, get into the main topic. So today's topic is world building for video games. And as I said before, world building is almost kind of a writing skill. And so you could do this whole episode in a writing podcast, for instance. Um, There's going to be a lot of crossover. But I think that's what makes making a video game fun, is that it combines so many different kinds of artistic talents that, especially if you're doing it as a solo dev, you kind of become like a jack of many trades. So you're a writer when it comes to the story, you're a game designer when it comes to the actual game, you're an artist when it comes to the sprites, you're a musician when it comes to the music, a producer when it comes to putting it all together, a businessman when it comes to selling it. And I think that's what's so interesting about game dev to me is I get to be a lot of things. But anyways, let's uh, get back on track and talk about world building. So world building to me is the art of crafting the world or universe that your game exists in. It's the thing that kind of roots your characters, your setting, kind of everything together. I think of it as like a binding net that makes all the stuff relate to each other. I know that's a a pretty poor description, but I think most people kind of understand what world building is. It's the lore, it's the characters, it's the setting... It's the world that your story or game exists in. And when I was thinking of writing this episode, um, I realized that it's a really hard thing to offer tips on world building because it's like saying, here's how you use your imagination. If you think about it, world building really is just coming up with a fictional place with your imagination. So it's pretty hard to offer tips on something that's so subjective to each person's imagination. The way I like to think of it is like George Lucas didn't come up with the universe of Star Wars because he took world-building writing classes. He's just a crazy creative guy with a good imagination. And chances are if you're into making video games or anything creative really, you have a pretty strong imagination or some kind of creative inclining that will help you uh, in world building. But there are a few tips, um, I think, that help specifically to adapting your world to video games. 
So instead of making an episode about how to world build, I'm sure there's plenty. I think there's even a whole subreddit on world building. And there's plenty of writing classes, if that's what you're into. But I think what will help this audience the most, especially since we focus on making video games, is taking that world and adapting it for a video game. And a good way to practice this is exactly what I said in the game jam idea, game idea jam, rather, where you want to try and adapt a movie to a video game because this is basically taking an already existing world and adapting a video game out of it. So if you want a good way to practice, maybe wait till after the episode so you can hear all the tips, but um, make sure to send those submissions in and uh, get some practice in. So for my first tip, we're going to start with kind of the core idea of this entire podcast, or one of the core ideas. You could even call it like my own personal design philosophy, but whenever you're making a choice for your video game, you should always consider the feeling you're trying to evoke when the player is playing it. And if you've listened to any other episodes, you know that I say this all the time, but Remember, that's the goal. We're trying to make a compelling game. And usually that's in the form of fun. But it doesn't always have to be fun, um, especially if you're going for like a real highly artistic game. A good example someone brought up to me uh, the other day is Dark Souls um, or any of the Dark Souls games. Uh, Those games are a real struggle and you die a lot. And there's a lot of frustration and involved with playing it but it's compelling because of the satisfaction you feel after you beat it so i wouldn't exactly call it always fun but it's definitely compelling and there are a lot of feelings associated with dark souls especially when you consider the world that it exists in it's definitely a very dark kind of moody atmospheric um the feeling i get is kind of like despair desolation and it's a good example of evoking a feeling in a video game because the setting and mood work so well with the gameplay the setting and mood is kind of dark and desperate and at times it can feel like when you're playing the game you are also desperate you when you've died to the same boss 25 times because you mistimed a button press by like one second that can make you feel desperate and um kind of throw you into a pit of despair which very much feels right considering the whole game's lore and world is a very dark and desperate place And it also works for those moments of satisfaction. Um, Think about the campfire system in Dark Souls. For those who have never played Dark Souls, um, the campfires kind of act as your save points. And like just making it to the next campfire sometimes can be a real struggle. But it is quite literally a light in the darkness. And I think that's what makes Dark Souls so atmospheric and really takes it to the next level is that its world fits so well with its gameplay. And those moments when you do make progress, um, you not only get satisfaction from the gameplay, but from what's happening on the screen and the feeling you're evoking is like the satisfaction of finding a campfire in the dark, which is a very primal feeling that all humans have. And I think it's really interesting that we all know what it's like to be next to a warm fire, especially if you like are camping and you're in the rain or something. And it's just a good feeling that is very primal to humans. And it's super cool 
how you can get that same feeling by playing a video game in a virtual world that doesn't really exist. You see a virtual campfire and you feel like good as if you were like actually taking in the warmth from the campfire. I love that kind of stuff in video games. And so I always try and include it in my video game. And in my opinion, that is like one of my core philosophies in game design and adapting your video game to your world should kind of uh, consider this. So yeah, if you have a dark and moody atmosphere to your world, um, think about the feelings that people feel in those kind of environments. Conversely, if your world is kind of um, like happy-go-lucky, think of the kind of things that are compelling in that. Some people would even say like um, a happy-go-lucky world like drives them crazy, right? And they want to like tear it down. That, for instance, is a feeling that can be fun and compelling. It might even be fun to play the bad guy in a happy-go-lucky world. Because remember that compelling feelings aren't just um, the good ones, but they're also the bad ones. So I know I just went on like a (laughs) philosophy tangent, but I think it's very much related to world building and adapting a world to a video game. So to sum up all that uh, craziness and really heady content I just said you just want to make sure that the feelings that you're trying to evoke those core ideas of your game should fit nicely with the world that your game exists in as an example if you want a racing game about speed and momentum and those are the feelings you're trying to evoke then the world that your video game exists in um, should also reflect that so an idea for like a bad world for that to exist in is you want to make a game about speed and momentum, say a racing game, and you want to put it in prehistoric caveman times. I don't think that would work very well because there's not a lot about prehistoric caveman that says to me speed and momentum. Now, like with all things and all tips, and I always say this for all my tips, but um, a good way to innovate is to break rules. So maybe you could somehow think of a really cool speed momentum caveman racing game. Maybe they're using saber-toothed tigers to race on. That could actually be cool. But I think for most cases, if you have a game where you're trying to focus on speed momentum, a racing game, you should put it in a setting that um, kind of doubles down on that feeling. And so ideas that immediately come to my head are like sci-fi futuristic even modern times, you know, with fast cars. And so you can see how big of a role setting and mood play. And if you ever took a third grade (laughs) writing class, you've probably heard the setting and mood when you're creative writing. I think it's like one of the core tenets. I don't remember that much from third grade, but I think setting and mood is like one of the core tenets of writing um, a story. But I think it also fits well with video games. Even if your video game has no story, maybe it's just a multiplayer only, I still think it's very important to consider the setting and mood. A good example of this is the horror genre. Um, I would argue that those games basically all are setting and mood. I mean, without those two things, what really is a horror game? So yeah, that's a good tool for the toolbox whenever you're considering the setting, or I guess the world that your game exists in. And I should point out that World building doesn't have to be this big, giant thing um, that takes up a lot of your time for your game. 
especially if your game isn't going to have a story, it's kind of just like a multiplayer thing or just a, I don't know, like a casual time-wasting game, like maybe a puzzle game. But even then, I think what takes a just all-right puzzle game to the next level is making sure that the setting and mood is attractive and the world that it exists in is uh, cool. For instance, Candy Crush, you know, I don't know if there's a real deep lore in Candy Crush. Maybe (laughs) there is, and there's Candy Crush fanboys who are roasting me, but I don't think Candy Crush is the same game without its world. And I know that may sound dumb, but what else besides its, its sort of charming looks and artwork and the world it exists in makes it better than any other match three game and granted it probably is a really good match three game compared to others i don't know that much because i don't play those kinds of games but i think the point stands is that candy crush is better for it for having a world that um seems consistent and kind of fits well with its gameplay not to mention it's it's good for marketing it's good for a lot of things i know i'm kind of rambling at this point but i I think it's important to understand World building can be a really tiny thing, a thing you come up with in maybe 2% of your total project time, but it can really elevate your game so that it's more than the sum of its parts. Oftentimes, the thing that sets an alright game from a great game is the little details that makes it. And so even if your game doesn't have a story, even if you don't really imagine it existing in any story, give it something. And speaking of small details, here's another good tip that'll take your game to the next level. You want to make your presentation similar to the setting and the, and the mood in a way that it feels like the UI elements exist within, within the universe. So if you have a sci-fi game, your UI elements should look like they belong in a sci-fi game. Better yet, give them an in-world, you know, universe lore explanation for why they exist. Pokemon, for example, could have just had a menu with a list of all the Pokemon that exist and just, yeah, had that as a menu. But they didn't. They invented the Pokedex. And now the Pokedex is like one of the major tools within the universe. And so that's a good example of uh, making your presentation exist within the game. And it's another one of those little things that really steps up the quality of your game. And up to this point, we've talked about world building from kind of a writing standpoint, but you can build a lot about your world and tell a lot of story about your world without doing any writing. In a video game, it makes a lot of sense to do it with the level design. Even things like how stuff sounds in your game or the music that you play during a key moment can do a lot for kind of building that network that relates everything in your video game universe together. So I'm going to try something new. Um, I usually try and give like specific tips on how to implement the things that I'm talking about, but this time I think let's use some already existing video games, some popular ones, ones that I know a lot of people have played to try and reach the biggest audience. And with those examples, we can see how they did world building and kind of learn some tips from them. So when we talk about presentation, um, kind of already talked about Pokemon, but here's another good example. 
the card game Hearthstone, um, the video game card game Hearthstone. If you don't know, it's a game that takes place within the Warcraft universe, but Hearthstone specifically takes place in a tavern, like at a table where they're playing cards. So already pretty cool premise, but where they really sell it is with their UI elements. Go watch a video of someone playing Hearthstone, or I think it's free, so go play it yourself. Um, and you'll see that they really put a lot of effort into the UI. So much so that it really sells the effect that it's two people in a tavern playing a magical card game. And the UI and how the cards behave and how the uh, board that you play the cards on kind of interacts with your mouse it all just makes everything come alive and it comes together and in my opinion it's really good presentation and really helps the world building of the game another good example um is halo halo is a classic shooter probably one of my favorite games of all time um the classic assault rifle from halo the like top of the rifle has a little screen display that tells you how many bullets are left in the magazine and of course it also shows you with like a counter, like a classic UI element or whatever. But the fact that they added that little detail, even though it's kind of redundant, I mean, you can already see how many bullets you have, but they have that little detail, that little screen counter that makes it feel like if you were an actual actual soldier, a futuristic gun would show you how many bullets you have left. I mean, think about the guns we have right now. You have to take the magazine out and check or remember how many you've shot. But in the future, it makes sense that's where the gun technology would go next, right? It would just tell you how many you had in the, ch in the magazine. So yeah, that's a really good example of world building in a game. Kind of sells the idea that this is a futuristic shooter, and even though it's kind of a redundant gameplay element, it still f sells the effect and it's still really cool. Let's talk about some good examples of world building with gameplay. How about Borderlands, another classic shooter um, if you don't know about Borderlands, it's a game where there's millions and millions of guns. And they're kind of randomly generated. Uh, it's like a looter shooter where you kind of collect the guns. But these randomly generated guns come from companies. So within this universe, there's a bunch of different gun manufacturers. And each gun has its own kind of specific feel. For instance, there's one company that makes like super high-tech futuristic guns. There's one company that kind of skews more towards the Old West kind of lever action and revolvers. And not only do the guns look this way, but from a gameplay standpoint, they also behave this way. So that the player knows just by the feel of the gun, how it feels to play the game with the gun, what company the gun is from. So I think that's a really, really good example of through gameplay building the world. It makes these gun manufacturing companies feel real because you handled their guns. You shoot a gun, you know, okay, I know this is a Jacobs, or you shoot a gun and it, you're like, wow, this shoots really fast, high rate of fire, this must be a Vladoff. So Borderlands, even through gameplay, tells a story about the world it exists in. We can also do world building through level design. Um, a good example of this is Shadow of the Colossus which is another classic um, PS2-era game where it's literally only boss fights. That's all there is in the game. But the fights are these giant colossuses or colossi, whatever the plural of that is. 
um, where you have to like chase them down, jump onto their legs and climb all the way up to their body to stab them in a weak spot. And that tells a story about the world. Um, the fact that you're not fighting, you know, little minions or anything. Literally, the only thing you fight are bosses and they're giant colossuses. Another example of world building through level design is the Portal games. Portals are, are kind of uh, first-person puzzle shooters where you're kind of a lab experiment and you're trying to escape. And you have to go through like these series of trials with this gun that can make a portal. And you have to figure out uh, how to escape. And that tells a story about the world that it, it exists in through level design. You can do world building through things like music. A good example of this to me is Skyrim. The like main theme to Skyrim, the one that plays at the beginning of the game and right at the trailer, is iconic. And the feeling that it gives you really puts you into that headspace like, okay, this is Skyrim. This is what it feels like. And it builds its world through that way. And I should point out that all of these games, um, the examples I gave, they don't only build it through the example that I gave. For instance, all of these games have good music. I mean, Halo, for instance, another iconic menu theme. The presentation, I mean, what would Borderlands be without its presentation, you know, kind of its cell-shaded comic style? But the point is, is if you can identify these sort of things that these games do really well, then you can start to implement them into your own game. So I guess that's another tip for me. Maybe when you play a video game, I mean, do it for fun to enjoy it, right? That's how, why we all play video games. But also maybe try and think about why that game is good or why that game is bad. And when you're considering the world building, think about these things we talked about. Does the game have, you know, a story and sound design and gameplay and art that all meshes together and really creates this world, this world that you could believe that you're in. Or for a lot of games, I think where they go wrong is these kind of elements don't mesh that well together and it doesn't make for a very believable world. And so obviously for your games, you want it to be in that believable sort of category. And I realized that for most people who listen to this, right, I, I try and target, you know, the beginner to intermediate game developer. So maybe you're just getting started or maybe you've got, you know, a couple of years under your belt and you're really looking to try and develop yourself to get to that next step. Chances are none of us are working on a AAA game like the ones I've just listed. If you are working on a AAA game, then, you know, a lot of the things I have said you already know. But even for our sort of tiny hobby or indie games that maybe we're trying to make a little bit of money on, we can benefit from these principles that the bigger companies use. So even for your little game, even if it's just a mobile game, try and think about these things. Try and make a world that it exists in. Try and present it like it exists in that world. Think about how the gameplay feels and how that feeling associates with the overall mood and setting of your world. Think about how your level design is, and think about do your levels reflect the world they exist in. 
And when you finally merge all these things together, hopefully you have a cohesive net that kind of makes your world believable and makes your video game uh, that much better and kind of takes your own craft to that next step. So yeah, I think that's going to do it uh, for this episode. If you'd like to reach out and talk about anything when it comes to game dev, um, you can DM me on Twitter at underscore Zaccavelli underscore. Don't forget to send in your game idea submissions um, for next week. Remember the prompt is to adapt a movie or even a TV show or a book, any kind of media universe. Uh, adapt a video game for that and kind of think about the things that we talked about in this episode. Uh, lastly, I want to say I've been looking at the analytics for the podcast and we have grown in listeners. So I'm happy that, uh, a lot of people are getting value from this. I really like doing it. So, uh, yeah, I guess I just want to say thanks for listening. Um, it's been really cool. I'm glad I decided to do this and, uh, yeah, I hope it keeps growing and I keep meeting new people and getting to talk to them about, uh, something that we both mutually love, which is making video games. If you want to help the podcast grow even more, um, consider leaving a like or review or whatever it is on the podcast app that you choose to listen to. I know there's like a different systems for a bunch of them, but if you can leave a like or review or whatever it is, that helps a ton. And um, yeah, it kind of gives me some comments and feedback and ways I can improve. So with that, um, I guess I'll sign off. I've been Zaccavelli. Remember to use the meme strats and I'll see you guys next time.